Hi, I'm Hannah Brown and welcome to Better Tomorrow. My absolute favorite thing to do is have a heart-to-heart talk with my new friends and my best friends, where we sit down and talk about all the things like relationships and love, faith, and self-care. And of course, the little things as well, like the struggle to figure out what to eat tonight. All in all, I really want to ask, how am I better today than yesterday and bring artists, entrepreneurs, and friends along on the journey? So join me on the journey, will you? Kat Sadler. I am so excited to be able to learn from you today. You really inspire me and you've done so much work. And I grew up in high school, college, watching you on E! News. And it's so cool to be able to be in a room with you and and learn and just see like why you're such a pro. We did, we're doing a pod swap. So I'm on Kat's podcast, Kat Sadler Now. I'll be, uh, uh, you've you've gone into a new season change in the podcast. Yeah, a little refresh. Refresh. Yes. So I'm so excited to be on that. And we just did our conversation for the pod and it was so great. So I'm so excited for what I have just learned about you for others too on Better Tomorrow. Likewise. And thank you for that. That's so sweet. I I knew we'd have a connection. I just, again, we're like, you see people on social and, you know, we've been in like obviously the same business, but to spend real time is so cool. And yeah, I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) No, you just have so much like experience, experience, which I love that. I I don't take offense to you saying that. That's so cool. How cool that I was in your living room in Alabama. Yeah. And then a little farm girl from Indiana to have even been in to Hollywood myself. So it's it's all really, really amazing. Well, for me, it's like those, you're the type of person that I, I, I learned from and, um, you just have, uh, you've had such an awesome career and you've changed and you've been able to pivot. And I think in any, uh, for anyone in any type of place in their life, you have pivots and you do accomplish dreams, but then what's next? But I want to go back to how I know you and that was on E! News. How did you even get into doing entertainment news? Yeah. Well, I'll try to make the story as brief as possible. You don't have but to. But <laughs> I mean, I was, I grew up in Indiana, both in Indianapolis, which was the city as I was a young girl, and then moved to a very small town called Martinsville, Indiana. That's where my family's roots were, are. And I was, I was always in theater. I loved plays and musicals. I sang the national anthem at all the football games. No big deal. I was like <laughs> always performing, mm-hmm. really. And back then, this was pre-iPhones, pre-media, pre-social media. And I was probably always just a dreamer. I, I would mm-hmm. watch film and I would listen to music. And I was like every other young girl, like in the mirror with a hairbrush, pretending to be... You probably don't even know who Debbie Gibson is. Like I, I, I do. I, I think yes. I say that out loud because I just heard from her recently on DM. I'm like, this is so weird how life is. I used to like sing her song in my mirror. But anyway, I never really thought that a life in television or even acting was a possibility. You know, I was no one I knew was from the business. No one I really knew had left Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um 
It wasn't until I went to Indiana University, I finally declared broadcast journalism as my major, and I did have heroes like Oprah, who was on every day at 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. in my, oh, me, you know, mine too. same. I got home and watched, three o'clock was Ellen, four o'clock was Oprah. Yes. That was the, that was the TV I watched. And yes. then E! News, like literally, yes. yeah, same. Exactly. And so I would watch Katie Couric on the Today Show and- I remember admiring them so much and definitely having a um, an interest in what they did, but I still didn't think really, really in my heart of hearts that was a possibility for me. How would that be a thing? Like, I wasn't even allowing myself to dream big enough, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until I was an intern at a local Fox affiliate in Indianapolis, and I was in a newsroom, and I was suddenly around a really supportive, cool environment. A lot of them women who were kind of like, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with your life? And then the with every opportunity that either presented itself or that I created at that time of being 20 years old, I randomly got a phone call from an agent in New York City who had seen me like briefly because I was on like TV there via my internship and a little like general assignment reporting I started doing like once a month. It was just so rare that this agent could have seen me on television anyway, but he did. And um, he kind of kept calling me. I didn't know what an agent even was. I didn't even know what their role would be in my career. I was like in a band. I was finishing school. Like it's a kind of a wild story. But ultimately, I ended up calling this guy back and he was the first person, Ezra Marcus from NS Beanstalk Agency in New York to say, well, what do you want to do with your life? And oh God, nobody's really point mm-hmm. blank asked me like that. And I said, well, you know, I want to be, I want to merge my broadcasting education and skills and knowledge with entertainment because that's my passion. And I love the arts and I love film and I love fashion and all these things. So he's like, okay, well, let's just engineer your career to get you there. And I was like, wait, what? Like at the time, Entertainment Tonight was the pinnacle. E was cool, and I remember watching that also. But, you know, again, we only had so many channels mm-hmm. back then. It wasn't like everything was online. It wasn't like everybody had 144 cable cha- like channels to choose from. It was very, very limited, and Entertainment Tonight was the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the first time I said out loud, well, yeah, I want to do that. Really? I mean, I was – so – Cut to um, getting on some on-air experience locally, creating a bit of a, a resume reel. I created a dance show called The Groove in 1997 in my hometown. Like, I was doing all the things. I got really busy and hands-on, still not really thinking it was going to take me anywhere. But um, but then I had a beautiful friend, Molly Palmatier, shout out to her, who came to L.A., And she had a job here in L.A. And I was in that internship position. And she said, you belong here. I'd never even been to California. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd just been to New York. I'd never even traveled. 21, you know. Yeah. Like, never even, like, left the, you know, no idea. Um, So I quit that part-time job at the Fox affiliate and I came out here for a summer to live with Molly and sleep on her couch literally and not have a job and I fell in love I mean it was a very different time in LA you know everything felt it did feel like Hollywood at the time mm-hmm. you know everything was very sparkly and ex- 
exciting. It felt very limitless to me. For the first time, it was like, oh, the world opened up to me. I was mm-hmm. like, wow, this is living. And I had gotten the itch back home. I just, you know, I started to look at my life and look around, even at 20, 21, going, is this it? Mm-hmm. Like, is this it? Because I'm on that same corner at that same bar at that same restaurant seeing the same people. And if this is it, I'm going to die a slow death. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just was how I was wired. And so when I got to L.A., you know, that's when all of these possibilities became apparent to me. And about a couple months after being here, being in some infomercials and doing like a VH1 appearance. Um, and my, are you still with this agent? So too? I am. Okay. Yes. And great question because he was like, wait, don't quit your job in Indianapolis. Even though I had like a part-time reporting job and I was doing some like youth focused reporting and trying to get a little experience. So he was like, stay put. And my mom was like, why would you leave? And, you know, everyone was so confused when I came to LA, even just for that summer. But I was just like, I felt like I had to jump. It mm. just felt like what I was being called to do, even without really anywhere to land other than Molly's couch. Um, But this was, you guys, this is back when there were pagers and answering machines where you had landline phones and, um, and I got a page. And then I remember listening to a message from my agent who said, there's a WB station in San Francisco and they're launching a 10 PM newscast. And you know, at the time, WB Network was really cool mm-hmm. and hip, and it was Buffy the Vampire Slayer and all these shows. And I was this young girl, and he was like, they are looking for someone like you. Like, what, somebody young and kind of on the pulse of things and pop culture and entertainment, they're going to fly you up for, you know, it's probably, I mean, it's got to be similar to what yeah. you did for ABC, where you're like, where am I? What am I doing? And you leave your little nest, and that's what it felt like um, on a smaller scale, but that was my first job. So I got my first entertainment reporting job in San Francisco and I was green and I wasn't good. And I was, you know, on live TV five nights a week also. So this wasn't taped. It wasn't edited to make me look good. I had to show up. Mm -hmm. I was working 18 hour days. I was producing my stories. I was booking my stories. I was doing my interviews. I would be live on the set. So I was kind of anchoring and reporting. I was learning to edit. It was Amazing. I mean, I I genuinely would have done it for free, but I even got a decent paycheck. So it was great. It was like, it was, that was when I kind of knew, okay, this is the trajectory for my life because it was just, I was on fire for that, for doing that and getting up every day. It didn't feel like 18 hour days. It was where I wanted to be. So that's how it started. That's how it started. And I know I didn't answer your question because then I ended up at E, but that was, do you know, it was, about eight or nine years after that, that I got to E and ended up on national television after another, I stayed in San Francisco for about three years. I got engaged to my childhood sweetheart. We got pregnant with Austin, my first son. And that's when I was like, I need a beat. I need to come up for air. Mm -hmm. That was a really personally challenging, interesting time for me. And so I convinced my then husband to move back to Indiana, got back on TV locally for another four years. And then that itch happened all over again, essentially. So then I was like, okay, now I'm back here. Now I am on TV and we do have a great life. And we, by the way, had two kids at this point. And I I did love 
reporting and, and anchoring and the TV news. And I was covering a lot of the features and a lot of the entertainment, but it wasn't the same. So I was going to New York and L.A. to do movie junkets for that television station in Indianapolis. And I had two small kids. And, you know, looking back, it sounded pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy to be like 30, first of all, two young kids and really with what many people would say is like, why wouldn't you just do this, you know, be the local TV lady till, you know, the end of time. But again, I, I've always had this way of listening to my inner pull and really following that. And so between a talk with my mom and my agent and my husband, I was like, you don't know if you don't try. So it was mm -hmm. one of those, those pivotal moments where I that let me just do some auditions in LA and see what happens. And kind of the rest is history. I, I from the moment I said let's try to get a job in LA, I had I was signing my contract three months later. It was wild. Wow. Yeah. What I take from that is you have to jump and advocate for that little voice inside of yourself. But it's so cool to hear your story of how you did take these shots, but then you would have moments of you went back and it was still a great life, but then you still continued to listen to that calling that, and maybe it's a whisper. I guess, did you have the confidence in yourself or did you just like, there was no making it go away? How do you do that? Cause I think a lot of people have this whisper, but are like, oh, but everything's good. Right. I know it's such a. It's such an interesting thing to navigate because, yeah, most of us look around and we're like, but I, but I, but I'm okay and I'm grateful and I have nice things and I want to, I want to acknowledge all of that. I don't know. You hear about a lot about people, maybe in showbiz or mm -hmm. whatever that have like a pull. I, I guess I did always have that. And back to your own story, it's kind of like, all you really do in the end is delay your happiness. If you don't mm -hmm. listen, you're kind of just... Your, your story is kind of, I believe, already written. And and mm -hmm. there might be a lot of different roadmaps to getting there, but in the end you'll still get there. But it just depends on if you want to get through the quick way or the long way or, you know, have those different, you know, forks in the road in between. And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting also what ended up my doubts or maybe the reasons I would have not listened, like, you're 30, almost one. You have two kids under four. You are from Indiana. You're not blonde with fake boobs. Like all the reasons I could have told myself not to go for a job on E were all of the reasons they wanted me on E. I, that's what's crazy is because by the time I got into that room for that first audition with, by the way, all national faces. Chris Harrison was in that audition. You're kidding. Kid you not. Kid you not. The point is, like, people knew these people. So I guess that was maybe before he got The Bachelor, but he was he was known, at least, or he was on other shows, and everyone was around me. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, Debbie Matinopoulos had been on The View, and, you know, Rachel Perry was the girl on the VH1 Countdown. So I was this, this Hoosier from Indiana, barely finished breastfeeding on, in a room with all these really intimidating people, so out of body for me. And... um and when I did that audition, by the way, you know, experience does serve you because I walked in the audition and I had been doing TV for 10 years and 
I nailed it. I really did nail it. And I, I didn't, I didn't mess up. I did have a certain confidence because of putting in that grind for all those years and knowing my ability. Um, and then ultimately they, they said they chose me for the daily 10 was the first show that I, um, hosted at E and it was that they were like, we love you're a mom. We love that you're from the heartland. We love that you're Those are the people relevant, that are watching or relatable. Yes, exactly. And so, and that was also at a time in 2006, 2007, when suddenly celebrities, Heidi Klum and Angelina Jolie, were talking about their families and they were mothers. And suddenly it was being celebrated. Moms were being celebrated. You didn't, you know, have to, it didn't have to be an either or. You didn't have to pick a career or be a mom and you could start doing both. And then in entertainment, it was celebrated. And so all those things that I thought would work against me actually worked for me. And isn't that amazing, you know? Because it, because it, because that job was for you though. So it's like, oh gosh, like everything aligned for you. But in that, I feel, I mean, like that's kind of my life too. Like I was not the perfect, like what they usually went for, for that role as bachelorette. They're like, we want something different. We want somebody that is a little goofy. That's not quite sure. That doesn't say the right thing. Sometimes says something out of left field and that's what they wanted. And that's what I could give them. I tried so hard for so long to be the quintessential girl, especially doing pageants. And that's just, it was weird that it was like, oh, this big opportunity. No, they're like, no, but you don't have to keep trying to do that. Lean into like who you are. It's like, really? That's what you want? I still find myself still struggling when new opportunities come to go do that, to go kind of back to that, oh, altering. But when you were in that, when you were in that room, you you knew you nailed it. And I know what that feels like, too. I know <laughs> when I've nailed something, it feels so good. Yeah. But I still will sometimes have this doubt of like, oh, but are, are they are they going to see it? Mm. Did you have that at all? Or were you like, no, like, I'm so confident in all the experience I have. And is that where your confidence came from to be able to step in that room when you're like, oh, I know all these people. I watch them all the time. And I'm from Indiana. It's so interesting. Well, let me say two things. One, just back to being our truest, authentic mm-hmm. self. I just do want to just say quickly, I think that's so important for people listening because it is such a draining, worthless, energetic misstep to constantly try to be somebody you're not. It's mm-hmm. just such as someone who's lived a little, let me just tell you, like, it's just not worth it. Like being the best version of yourself is always going to serve you. And I, I, I think so many girls and women spend so much time trying to become someone else or be a certain standard or fit into a certain role. And, you know, there is only one of you, Hannah Brown. There's only one of me, Kat mm-hmm. Sather. Like that's just be who you are. And that's so great. And, and, you know, we are all flawed. I don't care. Even who you and I may be sitting here thinking is the perfect epitome of the best female on the planet. She's also flawed, guys, right? So that's okay. And I think the sooner you realize that about yourself, the better you are going to contribute to your life and your family's life and the world overall. Like truly, Mm -hmm. I'm not like overstating that. So really try to appreciate your own unique original self and be that. And I actually do think that's what has served me in my career over time because I did hear that a lot, that word authentic, you know, that everybody uses now, but that was all I knew how to be. So maybe that was my Midwest upbringing and maybe you know, that served me somehow, but 
I didn't know any other way. I knew when I got to Hollywood that I felt a little pressure for sure. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, man, will I stack up? Am I, you know, interesting enough? Am I worldly enough? Do I know enough about fashion? Like all that, of course, plagued me a little at the beginning. Um, But as far as my confidence and nailing it and knowing my strengths, it's interesting because I mean, I'm probably like so many people. I'm hypercritical of myself. That that's that will always be my work mm-hmm. um, on myself. But I always had a practice of, you know, like a, a spiritual self awareness. So because of probably all those days watching Oprah, I I learned about a lot of authors and a lot of teachers and a lot of gurus who really. Um, taught me about the practice of self-fulfillment and what is possible and where our thoughts go and the realities we can create. I, you know, I wasn't always journaling or I didn't always have a diary, but I really, I started paying attention to energy at a young age. You were at a high frequency. Yeah. Yeah. I think I always, I think I've always been like my emotional IQ or my EQ, I guess, Mm -hmm. has always been really sharp. Um, so I think that's probably made me a decent interviewer also because I, I see people, I think. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I think I, I, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Actually. I, I just moved. This was wild. And I hope I saved it again for the second time. But when I was on that flight from LA to San Francisco at 22 for my first ever TV job, I remember being in the plane and just writing affirmations and just mm. like, and and I think who taught me that at the time, it was like a mixture of Oprah and Gary Zukav. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He wrote a lot of books about, you know, the power of the soul and the mind connection and My affirmations. Boyfriend. We have all, all the books. Stuff. So okay. I have not read them, but okay. yes, I know okay. the name. So I remember going to that interview audition you know, at the time felt so, it just felt so like, how could this be happening to Kathy Sadler from Martinsville, Indiana? I'm on a plane. First of all, they're flying me there Mm -hmm. and they're paying for it. And, you know, I'm going to do an interview with a big news director at a big TV station in San Francisco, which was the fourth biggest market in the country at the time for a real job. Um, But I was writing things like, I remember back to the now, I'm always trying to be in the present. And I, w- I remember writing about the mountains that I was staring at. And I remember writing about the feeling in my seat. And I remember writing about how deserving I was of that moment and that experience. And I remember writing about my abilities and, as a communicator and all these things. And I found, I wrote on yellow legal pad, notebook, ugly, whatever oh was my in my gosh. bag at the time. And I tucked it away and I just found it like last week. And it was like, I saved it and I found it. And all that came flooding back to me because, you know, obviously that was almost, almost 30 years ago. Isn't that crazy? Um, Yeah. So I guess that's somehow that has served me. That's kind of my source is really being intimately, um, connected to whatever the spirit is inside of me or my soul that I've been given I really try to respect her and pay her some some homage I guess and like and and back to 
not lying to her and not suppressing what she wants and not looking the other way. Because, boy, I've, I've been guilty of that and mm-hmm. I, I still do that. But I, I think that has served me professionally and personally. First of all, yeah, like I think changing your podcast name to Cat Sadler now is making me like really um, talking about that. I'm like, oh, it's making me realize as you're telling telling these stories and then hearing your story and then thinking of my own, the times that I've been able to step into my future was when I was fully um, acknowledging the now before I went into an interview or before um, a big opportunity. It was when I wasn't like prepping so much that I was like thinking, okay, what happens if, if this happens in five minutes or if they say this, but it's, it's those moments that you're right before the big thing that you're just so there and not worried about what's on the other side of the door. That is when the things happen for you. Mm. One of the things I, I wanted to get into as e-news, you write e-news for a really long time and you decided to leave. What was that like? And can you go into a little bit of what made you make that decision? Mm-hmm. Yes. All of that, that season is still, even though that was like five years ago now, almost six years ago, I think, but like it's still very fresh in my mind. It'll always mm-hmm. be really fresh in my mind because it was a seismic change in my life. Definitely like a marker I know that will always kind of be attached to my life and my decisions and my career and my family and all these things. But even in this conversation with you already, like I'm feeling a a through line because it started with information, but then it, it, it next went to my feeling of listening to myself, Mm -hmm. right. Which we Mm -hmm. keep coming back to. And so I was in, um, it was the beginning of 2017. I was hosting a brand new show at E at the time called The Daily Pop. You know, so the network had chosen me to be one of three hosts on the show. It was live every day. It was two hours. It was so fun. It was really was my dream job at the time because it wasn't just reading the news. It wasn't just going and doing interviews. It was live. We were, inter- you know, interacting with the audience, with social media. We had live guests. It was like full on, lots of work. And then I would also be on set at E! News at least three times a week in the afternoon helping deliver E! News. So I was loving life, but I was very busy and my contract was up at the end of the year. And um, and how that works for people who don't know is, you know, you have, if you're on TV, you have a contract for a couple of years, generally in news anyway, and then you redo that contract. Maybe you'll get a little raise, maybe you'll change a couple of things. Your team works with the network. And everybody hopefully is happy at the end of the day. And so about that time when I was working more than I'd ever worked, I suddenly had to be in the door in the makeup chair at 7 a.m. every morning. I wouldn't leave till, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon, which is already like that's like nine hours. You know, I still have my two kids. I was a single mom, but I knew my contract would be coming up and one of the female executives called me in for a meeting. And she said, I'd love to, you know, can we talk about such and such meeting? I'll never forget. It was in an email and it was unlike her. And it was about something that it didn't feel like it should be about. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? One of those where you go, why, why does the boss want to talk to me? It was kind of one of those. And once we got into my dressing room to have the conversation, she, she said, um, 
I think you should know that you are severely underpaid. And I know your contract has come back. She was kind of giving, doing me a solid, like a girl solid. Like, hey, I know you're you're doing this show, doing that show. I don't think she she wasn't scheming by any means, but she just thought I should know because maybe because I was doing a great job, maybe because I was overextending myself, maybe because you know that's what I deserved, which mm-hmm. she was right. So I had this little bit of information. I was kind of embarrassed. I'm like, what do you mean I'm severely underpaid? And um, you know, Jason Kennedy, my f- dear friend who we came up together, we were uh, started the same year at the same time. You know, we, we were very much apples to apples on the mm-hmm. network. So I was like, well, how much? And so because we were so close, I asked him and he told me and, and he was very much kind of in my corner about the whole issue. And I got real fired up real quick because the disparity was so huge that then I felt like, A, a dumbass and B, then I was like, well, this isn't right. This is so unfair. And I got and I was actually doing double the work at the time because I had two shows and I was coming in four hours earlier than him. And, you know, again, none of that his fault. I've always said mm-hmm. that. But that's not equality and that's not fair. And so um, I just went to my team and, and said, hey, this is what I found out. Is this true? You know, it, there's so many layers to it in mm-hmm. Hollywood with agents, you know firms represent similar talent or, or they can't tell you everything because they represent maybe the person you're talking about and they're privy to all this information. And so that was such a wake up call for me to go, okay, what do I know? And now what do I do about it? And so I just said, listen, when this negotiation comes up, we're, we're asking for ballpark at least. I am not going to keep working at this pace, at this level, um, after all these years, having committed a to the point that I have. And and again, it's not about tooting my own horn, but being, you know, known around the world. I would go to Dubai and people would, you know, watch E. You know, they would know me and and I'd established myself. And I I'd gotten to that point in my career where I was like, I don't even know that I can really get better at this because maybe this is I, I've I've done this for so long, right? So mm-hmm. I felt and believed that I was deserving of ballpark pay. And so long story short, um, we did advocate for that and we kept falling short and falling short and falling short and they just weren't going to meet me there. And so my agents were really shocked when I was like, no, if they don't get there, I'm I'm done. And they're like, what do you mean? You know, because in this town, again, it's like, who would give that job up? Right. Yeah. And so um, I said, no, no, I think I'll be done here if this isn't get to where it needs to be, because I had such an icky feeling inside and it just felt I felt really bamboozled or something like I felt silly about the whole not knowing and then and then getting the information and nobody wanted to make it right and then feeling like well I guess they don't value me and then then you're like well if you don't value me then why am I here it was like uh, uh, so many of those layers of emotions and so um yeah so then I made the decision and and I, I said goodbye on TV to the viewers. I'd been there 12 years at that point, but I couldn't say why I was leaving. And then I wrote a blog and posted it on my website. And I really thought, you know, that'll be that. But it wasn't. And it turned into quite the news story. And it turned into a news story because so many women everywhere could relate to that feeling. I love how you talked about all the different emotions that you had from that because I think first it's hard to even step up especially sometimes as a woman to advocate for yourself and then to like have all this 
Like, look, look at all that I've done. I don't understand. Like, we are apples to apples. Like, why do you not value me? Did it make you ever go into yourself and question, like, your internal value? Or or were you pretty, like, strong in that? Because I feel like for a lot of people who work so hard and then somebody tells them, oh, well, yeah, you're working great. We still want you, but we don't think you're worth this. You can internalize that. Mm-hmm. During all mm-hmm. that time, mm-hmm. did you struggle with that at all? No. And this is that's what's mm. surprising, Hannah, because 10 years before that, I would have. Five years before that, maybe I would have. And I am not a disruptor by nature. I think I, I'm probably, we're probably more alike. I don't like conflict. I don't like rocking the boat. I, I wish I had always used my voice at that level Mm -hmm. or champion myself or you know I had a friend one of many confidence confidants that I checked in with during that period to decide what to do and she's like at the end of the day do you bet on yourself like if you leave do you bet on yourself can you can you continue to work can you continue to build can you you know and I was like yes I do I do and maybe that does come with at that point, 20 years, five days a week. So no, I didn't, I didn't question myself at that point. I mean, I really fully believe that I was in the right. And I felt, you know, to use the word discriminated again, sounds like a strong word, but it's like, you know what? These systems suck. It's like, I know I'm not 25. I know I have two kids. I know like all the things they could just go out and plug in somebody else that could do my job. And I know that that's sometimes how it works, but I knew and know what I'm good at. And I was good at that job. And by the way, a team player. And, you know, I was like a a good employee. I know I was. Um, So at that point I, I was feeling, um, the emotion of anger, which I don't often feel mm-hmm. and which isn't very a comfortable emotion for me. Um, and the attention that came after was really hard for me. I mean, maybe some people live for that kind of attention. I was just on Bethany Frankel's podcast. You know, certain people yes. want fame and want to be in the headlines, good or bad. And for me, it's very difficult. So that was really hard when then it became a big story. Um, but you know, back to all of our journeys and how it's all how it's all going to be written. It's like I could have never predicted that would be my departure from E, right? It was my dream job. And I would see other hosts come and go and we'd be at their goodbye parties and they'd be giving the toasts and people would say all the things that I remember watching those and thinking, wonder when I'm going to leave or I wonder what that'll look like. And, you know, and who would have ever thought Mm -hmm. that, you know, my exit would be how it turned out. Um, But I think I was used somehow because the conversation about equal pay is so important. It's only gotten more um, in the forefront. And, and it was after hearing from so many girls and women from again, all over the place after that news came out, and they just kept saying, oh, fight this fight. Please fight this fight. You have reach. You have a platform. Talk about it. You know, I'm struggling so much. I can't speak out at my job. I don't, I'll be fired. You know, why am I paid so much less? Why does he always get to talk in the boardroom? You know, all these, why do, you know, all the things. And I was like, okay, now I have an obligation and a duty 
to use my voice for these other girls. And so then I felt like charged because I had a purpose attached to it. After you decide to leave, this has become a big story. A lot of people are rallying around you. Did you know what you wanted to do next? How did you pivot? I was really just completely open at the time. Mm -hmm. I was just wide open. And I remember that first year being an actual advocate for equal pay and being at a lot of rallies. I was on the steps of, you know, the mayor's city hall in New York City. I was going on women's marches. I was doing campaigns for equal pay and the importance of negotiating in your career. And so I was being used at the time a lot in that way. And I was doing a lot of conferences and that felt really good. Um, I did have some opportunities come my way for very similar jobs to the one I had on E where I was back on a set, like possibly reporting on entertainment news again and in some interesting auditions. And I'll tell you, that's that was the, the most glaringly unexpected part was that I didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah. I wow. For me... I think I had changed so much. And that, that had always been a little bit me. Like, I, I've been to Africa with my mom, and she has a charity for women. And it docu- which we made a, a documentary no one saw. But, like, I always had this kind of call to do deeper, more meaningful things, mm-hmm. right? So eventually, in many ways, I was kind of outgrowing the telling everybody what Kim and Condé did last night. Like, I was kind of, like, outgrowing that. Mm-hmm. To be honest. It didn't light me up. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm, that was the, the most interesting thing, having covered entertainment news for all those years, is, like, I unsubscribed to, like, all that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't even getting that on my phone. I didn't know what Justin Bieber was doing. I didn't know. I didn't care. And so I I had a couple opportunities come my way to go back to the grind of five days a week doing entertainment news. And you know what? I was like, eh. I mean, now listen. Had they maybe paid me three times, you know, it wasn't like something so good I couldn't turn down. So they made it somewhat easy for me. But I was like, eh, I don't think I'm supposed to be used like this anymore. I think I'm ready to enter my next chapter. And so then the podcast, I I had an original podcast called Naked at the time. And um, when I started getting into the podcast space, I immediately was turned on to it because of that reason of this can be meaningful. This can be long form. This can be like we can actually exchange in a way that listeners can be moved or changed or inspired or feel less alone. All those same reasons. So, so yeah, so now I'm, I've just, I've kind of grown into, you know, a myriad of things, you know, I, I still I do my podcast weekly and I have more than 100 episodes in my most recent podcast, but I just took my first break in the last month because I'm having so many personal changes. I, in as of this moment, Hannah, in three days, I'm going to be an empty nester. I'm taking my son to college. So I'm also cutting myself a little slack on the professional Mm -hmm. tip because I've been, my job has been mom and my job has been my kids are leaving. So I've had so much going on that um, that's been okay. It's like I, I kind of like feel so lucky again where I'm not grinding or slaving. I don't I'm not working for a big corporation where I have to do anything. I've just built this nice pocket. I get to 
interview amazing people. I get to do it from my home studio Mm -hmm. and I get to still like, I'm leaving here to go help my kid who just moved to an apartment, figure out the laundry machine. Like I'm, that's literally what I'm doing. So how blessed am I? I feel so just great with the pace at which my life is at this moment. And having said that, I am feeling that itch again. So I don't know what's coming, but Mm -hmm. I feel like something's bubbling. As soon as I get my kids sorted and off to college, I I think I'm going to be gearing up for something new again. I think you're you're in such a season of change. I mean, you left six years ago, Mm -hmm, something mm -hmm. like that. I don't don't know exactly. And you've become self-employed. Was that the first time that you were self-employed? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you've built all this. And then you were able to be with your kids for the last few years, them being with you, like you might have, you wouldn't have been able to. Mm-mm. So it's so cool. And I have to remind myself, too, that sometimes these changes that feel unexpected, uh, they give you something that without that change or shift, you might not have got to experience. What has it been like in your personal life, though? So much change. You are you've moved in with your partner. Your your kids are not there. I know with my my mom. Obviously, it was a, f- a few years ago. That was such a hard time for her when your kids are going off, and then you are also kind of going off on this new chapter. What has that been like? What was I thinking? <laughs> what was I thinking? You know, I, I, you know, until I'm living in it at this exact moment, it was like, this is so beautiful. It's like all the pieces of the puzzle are all lining up at the perfect time. And, you know, Greg and I, of course, were like, this will be such wonderful timing because the boys will be launching and then you can land here. And it's all been great. In the last week or so, I've been very emotional. I'm just feeling myself. I'm really sensitive. I know watching Orion, again, it can be all those feelings at once because I'm so excited for him and I'm so, I know this needs to happen. I, I feel so blessed that we can even offer him, you know, this education, like all, there's so many great things, but internally it, it definitely, there's a, a, a turbulence, like a quiet, like unsettling that um I just am gonna have to work through Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to go back to my yoga and I'm I I I read this book um from Pema Chodron I don't know if you know who she is it's called Comfortable with Uncertainty and I have but I need it (laughs) oh it's great it's like my little bible I always go back Mm -hmm. to it and it it really is about being okay with not knowing everything and being so attached to every outcome or like really learning to settle into that feeling of impermanence with, you know, not just not knowing. Cause it does kind of feel like that feeling when, you know, if you change schools and you're the new kid at school, everything feels so foreign and new. And I, I do feel as much as Greg and I are so great and I feel so safe with him. I'm in a new home after 13 years. So there's no way for it to not feel a little new. And where's my place? Here? Yeah. How yeah. do I make this feel like my home? Yes. I couldn't. That's that's a big change, especially after, like for me, I moved after three years and that was hard. I couldn't imagine all the life that you lived in this, in this way, being a mom and always being a mom, Mm -hmm. but letting them, you know, fly away. Uh. It's hard. What would you, what advice do you have for people that are facing big life decisions or change? 
um, in their relationships and in their career, what, what, what are you learning? And I feel like you've kind of answered this, but what else would you add? You know, feel your feelings. I mean, everyone, I think going through any kind of change, it's going to be challenging or difficult or unsettling. Mm -hmm. Like I just mentioned, sit with it. You know, I think sitting with your feelings allows them to move through you. And then the sooner you start to recover from those feelings. Um, I used to make the habit of going to my wine glass or, you know, whatever, numbing out on some level or just like binging succession for, you know, three days in a row. So I think with change, you know, just be with it, you know, now be with it now, you know, it's back to that. Um, And, and knowing that our thoughts can be so detrimental because we really can future trip so much about an outcome or what it's going to look like, or, and, and we just get in our heads so much about things and it just doesn't, A, it doesn't serve you, but B, it can actually also be detrimental, Mm -hmm. right? We attract more of the negative if that's where our head goes. So really just try to always tell everyone, because I know it's hard to be still, especially when these big transitions are happening or the big monumental things are happening. It's as easy as stepping out your front door and getting walk and, you know, going on a walk and getting fresh air. It just sounds so simple. Like if you don't have the means or the access to a great doctor or even the medicines or whatever, like nature is it. Mm-hmm. Nature is always my answer. For it is sure. like go outside, put, take your shoes off, put your feet on the ground, get in the grass, mm-hmm. notice what's happening in the tree above you, listen to the birds you're here, like that are in the distance What's the sky doing? Oh, my God, it moves so fast. It will always take you out of your anxiety, I think. It's like a really good practice I go to. I totally agree. I think that advice of feeling your feelings, being present, do it now because you don't outrun that. Yes. It's always going to to manifest in some way, which we, we've talked about. Like, I know for me that is fully happen it, it manifests in in your body in ways you're like oh my gosh why is my back hurting and it can be a lot of things feelings that you haven't dealt with it has to go somewhere so I think that is really great advice podcasting you have been doing this for a while what do you love about podcasting and yeah just how is it different yeah it's so different. Um, mostly all very positive. Some of it not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I do now, by choice, you know, book my guests and research my guests. You know, I used to have producers who would mm-hmm. hand me a packet every morning, you know, and I was like, oh, that's nice. You know, now I'm genuine, generally doing that myself. Um, so the technical part, because I have my own production company and I'm trying to do everything under that mm-hmm. umbrella. And so it's just a lot of education, you mm-hmm. know, going into that. For me, I love the freedom, the creative freedom to what's the name of my show going to be? How's my artwork going to look? What is the tone and feel? What's the music going to be like? I'm producing 
content now in a way as a quote unquote talent, I was just inserted into somebody else's business. You're going to talk to so-and-so today and it's going to be here. And then you hand it over. You never see it again. You don't know how it's edited. And then, you know, so there's, there's a much more of my voice and my ability and I guess my direction now. It's really my baby, the podcast. Um, and I love not asking permission. I love that I don't have to run anything by anybody. I'm my own boss. It's wonderfully freeing. And, you know, having conversations with people, I want to, not that I have to. Mm -hmm. I mean, and sometimes it doesn't make sense. And I'm sure you'll find this. It's kind of like I can I can speak with an author or a reality star or, you know, an actress or a chef or a doctor mm -hmm. or a, you know, it. It doesn't have to make sense. It just has to make sense to me. Mm -hmm. And I have found that, like, if I'm fired up about it, if I care deeply about it, it doesn't have to fit any formula. It's I'm going to show up interested, and that's going to make it more interesting for my audience, right? So I, I just love that it can be anything. It mm -hmm. just has to, I guess, at the end of the day, be me, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. When you're having these conversations on your podcast, is there a goal that you have or a mission that you want to accomplish for your listeners? Yeah, that's a great question. And I love how clearly you defined that when you mm -hmm. started this, because I think that's so, so important. Um, my podcast has moved into the wellness space, believe it or not, which is so interesting because initially it was in the society and pop culture or whatever mm -hmm. space because I'm interviewing, you know, people and founders and public celebrities and mm -hmm. all of this. But, um, because my personal interest has morphed so much into um, self-growth, personal growth, um, wellness, and all of that, all of my conversations have become so much about that. So I, my goal is that I'm helping my listeners continue to evolve and really operate from not maybe a fixed mindset of everything they thought they knew a more open mindset and what is available to us that can help us be our best selves. So again, whether that's a doctor or a meditative guru or whomever, I'm bringing people to the show that can help inspire and uplift and, and, and change the thinking even of, of my audience so that they can expand in their own lives. So that's really the goal. And I yeah. think it's cool that you're, you've stayed true to who you are and you talk about the seasons of life you're in, but you're also staying true to what made you decide to pivot anyway of you don't want to have these surface level conversations, but as you're evolving, you want people to be on that journey. And those are the type of, that's the type of podcast I want, but that's also the type of um, podcast I like to listen to because there is so much out there that can distract and take our time and to be able to have the platform the ability to maybe grab somebody's a small amount of time that they have to listen to something and know that they're listening to something that's for good or that they can learn from it feels it feels really good to me and um I know that that's what you're doing as well yeah yes exactly that Last question. You are obviously so successful. We've talked about all the things that you have done, the way that you've been able to change and grow and pivot and have all these high accomplishments that you've made for yourself. 
what do you do in your daily routine that you feel like has led to you being able to accomplish and have the life that you have? Because I think a lot of times people think it's these big things you have to change. But what are some small things that you believe are, have been really beneficial for you in your life? Thanks for all of that and saying that I'm so accomplished or successful. I don't know if we ever feel that way about ourselves, but um, I, the thing that came to mind when you asked me that is that I'm relentlessly optimistic. And I know that there's a whole thing about toxic positivity and all that. And as you know, if you've listened to this conversation, I'm not, you know, promoting that we always feel great because I feel really crappy and I think we should always feel our feelings I think that's so important but I remember reading an article when I was at that first internship when I was just starting out in my early 20s and it was about Goldie Hawn and I remember again this was before I'd ever even left Indiana and I and her whole uh, feature was about her like being everybody's cheerleader and she had just that happy gene and she was kind of a comedian and she's always been like a light I think she was one of the actresses I loved when I was growing up and I don't know I I maybe it's just the way I'm wired but I I am constantly always seeing the ha- the glass half full it's my nature you know some of that may be from my own childhood trauma to be honest because I I grew up in a little bit of a dysfunctional family mm-hmm. and my role was always happy 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 um but having said that like when you said you weren't a morning person my sister was not a morning person and you know I was always a morning person you know what I mean like I just love to wake up I love to bounce out of bed I am annoyingly like just on fire for life. And maybe it's because, you know, I didn't always have a great life. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I definitely had some, again, wild upbringing. It wasn't always picture perfect and, and stuff. So I'm just like, I don't know. I, I think the way I go about my day, I do a gratitude journal. I, um, I listen to some motivational Superhuman app is the one I'm into at the moment. It's really about manifesting and bringing into your minutes and hours and days what you want, um, knowing that you do have control over what comes to you, which I think a lot of people are still operating from, it happens to me or this happened to me. It's like we actually hold so much power. Mm -hmm. I'm reading a book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza. Do you watch him, follow him, and know about him? Yes, that is my boyfriend's favorite, favorite um, just guru. guru. Yeah, yes. guru that yes. he looks up to. My best friend just went to one of his conferences. Um, conferences. So I, I have not fully got into it yet. But I think this book is a good starter. That Yeah, and he bought me all the books. He I don't did. know which one to start, start with. I think this one, because I do believe he wrote this like almost 10 years ago, and it, it is very sciencey mm-hmm. and it does feel clunky, And but I listen to it when I'm driving, and um, there is real science, evidence-based research that, you know, we can control what happens in our lives. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, why, you know, so I'm just at least very turned on by that. And so I've been going through my days like that as of late, like 
you know, my meditations are just kind of closing my eyes and, and not just thinking about what I want or even just emptying my mind, but really feeling, summoning a feeling always. And so I believe that the more we, you know, Doc Amen says the same mm-hmm. thing. Your brain is lazy. You can tell it what to do. And so, you know, tell it goodness, tell it health, tell it accomplishments, tell it, you know, big paycheck, tell mm-hmm. it all these things um, and feel how that feels and watch it happen. Because, yeah, I'm really into manifestation. Roxy Nafusi wrote another book called Manifest, the orange book that got mm-hmm. really popular. So anyway, these are all the things we do talk about on my podcast. So I would just say to answer your question that that's my frequency. I love that. You believe in yourself and, and make it and make decisions throughout the day that will give you the life that you want and that you know you deserve. And yeah. you've done that in so many ways. I'm so glad that we got to talk today. Thank you so much for coming on Better Tomorrow. I think a lot of people are going to be inspired and encouraged to make some changes in their life, shake things up. Well, you're killing it, Hannah. Thank I feel you. so lucky to have been on your new show. Congrats. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening to the episode. Better Tomorrow is produced by me, Hannah Brown, and Legos Creative. Our producer is Andrew Stalmer. Our show is recorded, engineered, and edited by the Legos Creative team. Remember to follow Better Tomorrow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss the next episode. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps and shows your support. You can follow me on socials at Hannah Brown, and you can stay updated on all things Better Tomorrow on our Instagram at Better Tomorrow and our TikTok Better Tomorrow podcast. Mm-hmm.